This episode of That's What She Said is brought to you by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said for your free audiobook download. Hi, this is Andy Buckley, David Wallace, CFO, Dunder Mifflin Corporate. You're listening to That's What She Said. That's What She Said, episode 83, Murder. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time And welcome to episode 83 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 10th episode of season 6, entitled Murder, or is that Muck Duck, which originally aired Thursday, November 12th, 2009. I do declare... The productivity murderer was Caleb Crawdad, with a bad accent, in the conference room. When Dunder Mifflin once again faces financial troubles, Michael decides to host his own murder mystery party, much to Jim's chagrin. Has Michael finally snapped, or will his co-manager learn the method to his crazy ways? Meanwhile, Andy makes his move, but was it Aaron or Nellie Nutmeg who accepted his indecent proposal? Oscar pouts, Dwight buttles, and Pam finds herself caught up in the middle of a Mexican standoff. You know, here's a thought. Maybe if CFO David Wallace wasn't micromanaging the Scranton branch, the company wouldn't be going bankrupt. One word, David. Priorities. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? And joining me at the water cooler again this week is our dear friend, the traveling salesman, the assistant to the regional manager, your favorite podcaster, and mine. Kevin Crossman, Kevin, how you doing? Matt, I'm a little concerned. You've had some very interesting tweets in the past week about being burnt out with the show <laughs> and not feeling like you're really in it. No, you, shut up. <laughs> they need this podcast, Matt. Let us have our stupid little show, all right? Ah, <laughs> uh, you're right, Kevin. We got to do it for the kids. That's true. Speaking of tweets and, I guess, first impressions and other things, This is one of those weird episodes to me that comes along every once in a while. Very much of the same kind of feel as, for example, Cafe Disco from last year. An episode where, on initial viewing, I was really left scratching my head. Actually really completely baffled as far as what on earth they were doing. What was going on. Didn't laugh during the cold open. Didn't uh, whole bad accents and the ridiculous stuff and everything else. And I just, I found myself on Thursday night really being, kind of like, meh, what the hell are they thinking with this? And looking at the credits, and we usually wait a little while to talk about this, but um, the, the guy who wrote this episode, Daniel Chun, actually his only other writing credits were writing seven episodes of The Simpsons. And I, of course, am a very big Simpsons fan. And unfortunately for me, what I thought was, yeah, this was just like a Simpsons episode with office characters stuck in it. Now... That's a really long, long way to get to where I'm trying to go, and I'm guessing that 
about a thousand people have probably already turned the podcast off in disgust. Uh, oh, there he goes again, <laughs> hating another episode. But no, the point of the story here, folks, and I do have one, is um, this is one of the... I think that from Thursday to Sunday here when we're recording the show, this is one of the very few episodes I think that my opinion has shifted so drastically. I I really do enjoy this episode. I don't know if I'm ready to commit it to an A or an A minus sort of grade that other people are are calling it, calling it one of the better episodes in a long time. But I, on the other hand, then I I did really enjoy it, and I I enjoyed it on those subsequent watchthroughs. I think because um, it does actually hold together, and it does make a lot of sense. I think as an individual episode, it really works. I mean, we get that interaction there where at first Michael is you know very disturbed very upset um there's a great scene and it's a little scene but it's a great scene where he's in the bathroom and uh and kevin comes in there's like oh did you throw up he's like nope just pooping <laughs> smells like throw up well there's all kind of smells in the world you know <laughs> so he's obviously very disturbed by the news but he he rallies around and you think okay he's going crazy jim and pam have those that talking head about michael snapping But then you see, and my favorite, absolute favorite moment of this episode will probably come as no surprise, but Michael, as you alluded to earlier, loudly telling Jim to shut up uh, and to think about the other people in the office. Uh, So it's a great scene. Again, we get that same kind of view of Michael being that parent, and they kind of mention that at the end, you know, that one of the parents is the hard-ass, one of the parents tries to distract the kids. So even though he was very upset and very disturbed, he, you know, he came through for the family, for the employees trying to make the family feel better. So I, we're going to talk more about this, but I, I, I've been going for about five minutes, so let me get back to you then, Kevin. What, uh, what did you think of murder this week? Well, I enjoyed murder quite a bit, as uh, I always do whenever murder comes up. <laughs> and I agree with you. This felt a lot like Cafe Disco, a little bit of a leave-your-head-at-the-door type of thing. Don't think too hard about it but just enjoy the character interaction and all the kind of ridiculous things that are happening. Uh, I happen to like the cold open with Dwight fighting himself, but obviously it's very kind of a ridiculous setup, even <laughs> for Dwight and Jim, uh, kind of egging him on there. But I did enjoy it. It kind of set the mood a little bit for violence in the workplace, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, speaking of the cold open, though, just a, a second before you can continue on if you want to. Uh, someone in the chat room on Thursday mentioned that they thought this was – uh, a clear homage to a Monty Python sketch where Graham Chapman uh, essentially wrestles against himself. And after looking for that clip on, on YouTube, I, I, I can see the influence on whether or not that was purposely done. Uh, I don't know. But um, very similar. And also, Kevin, last week you were saying that that episode was Jenna Fisher's sort of Academy uh, you know, Emmy highlight reel. And I think the cold open this week is the Rain Wilson Emmy highlight reel for next season. I wasn't really as won over as you were by that. I On the first watch through, I didn't really laugh uh, much at all. And I don't know, it didn't really laugh too much on subsequent viewings either. Although I did, uh, it, you know, it, it warmed on me a little bit. But uh, what did you think then about the rest of that plot line? Well, I think that now we've got a new storyline for the season, Dunder Mifflin potentially going bankrupt, although this seems a little repetitive to the whole branch <laughs> closing thing from season one and season two. Uh, you know, it's tough times. They're addressing it in a certain way. Uh, as you alluded to, perhaps David Wallace is paying too much attention to 
the Scranton branch, the fact that Jim's calling him all the time for sales advice or whatever. He's got maybe bigger fish to fry. And who knows what happened to Charles Minor? I think we can agree <laughs> to disagree whether he's still in his, his position or not. They haven't really addressed it one way or the other, I think. But clearly, Let's talk about that for a second now, because you're saying that you felt that Charles Minor was still Michael's boss and that he was still the like the regional manager of those northeastern branches like Jan or, or Ryan used to do. Um, right. I guess they never said otherwise, but it certainly seemed to me that that would be a highly ridiculous thing to have since we've never seen him, uh, heard from him, or have had him ever mentioned since the finale from last year. So I don't know. I mean, I, what do you guys think? Is Charles Minor still Michael's boss or not? Because he's uh, he's definitely out of the loop. Well, you think that they would have him mentioned or whatever if he was still around, but at the same point, maybe they want to kind of leave it hanging because if they need someone from corporate to call, obviously easier to get Andy Buckley than Idris Elba, who's got a burgeoning movie career. So, you know. <laughs> Highlight on burgeoning. I don't know, Kevin. It well, doesn't seem like he should be that busy that he couldn't do a few phone calls. But, uh, well. Uh, well. <laughs> but I have to say I really did enjoy the episode. I really liked, I think, with Steve Carell, another strong standout performance here with all the accents and just going crazy and, like you were mentioning, that scene with the vomit was very well done, and of course the big confrontation was excellent. And he really put this episode on his back and kind of carried it across uh, the finish line a little bit, <laughs> just like his character did in this case. I also enjoyed that Helms, uh, his whole accent stuff and the Aaron stuff we'll talk about too, was some ways kind of poignant. <laughs> and of course we had a little nice bit with uh, Jenna Fisher and Pam there at the end. It was very cute and funny and I really did like that whole Mexican standoff thing the way it was the re the reveal for Pam in that um, that show tag was excellent because you saw the three of them then you cut to a you know Jim talking about it <laughs> and you think you're cutting back right to where it was but then you see the reveal for uh, Pam being there I thought that was outstanding and uh, nice to see her kind of being a little bit more open with playing along with the other kids and having fun at work as opposed to being the, you know, raging bitch that she's been. Yeah, with uh, with her debutante gloves still on her hands. I, I want to talk about that a little bit because this is one of the things. Is I tried to get into this last week, Kevin. You remember what last week we were talking about the Andy and Dwight plot line, and I, I said very specifically that it was totally ridiculous and it made no sense, but it was hilarious, and I really enjoyed it, so it was very kind of divided. One of the things, if I want to knock something about this episode, is that it felt very much the same way to me. It felt like an episode that was almost removed from things that have happened the last eight, nine episodes. Just last week, I mean, Pam basically bitch-slapped Michael, and now this week, here she is diving right into the murder mystery game and being one of the players that's actually getting into it and doing everything. It, it felt a little out of touch, and then her doing that Mexican standoff thing again that felt to me almost like that wasn't in character. But on the other hand, it was fun and I enjoyed it, so I don't know really what to say about this. Because, <laughs> you know, if it works, it works. If I like it, if it makes me uh, smile or chuckle, is it wrong? I don't know. The other thing I really want to touch on here in the beginning of the show is we have yet another episode where Michael teaches Jim a lesson. And... We've had all these episodes, you know, Jim's trying to work hard, but he's not very effective. Michael has the secret sauce to being a great manager for these ridiculous knuckleheads here in the Scranton branch. And yet again, we have Jim trying to swim upstream, and then he realizes Michael was right all along. 
well, at least for maybe half the office. <laughs> I, it'd, be, it'd be nice if people like Oscar and Angela would back Jim a little bit in terms of the let's get to work type of thing. It seems yeah. like the people like Kevin and uh, Dwight and Andy, who are just going crazy with all this stuff, it seems like their needs come first, but the normal people don't <laughs> seem to come into play here. Uh, we didn't see Toby in this episode. So uh, it'd be nice. Let's start seeing some episodes where Jim teaches Michael a lesson, because that whole co-manager thing it should go both ways. Well, I, you're, you're right. I, I actually really liked that scene, and that was one of the highlights for me for the whole episode. Very emotional, and never have we seen such animosity coming out of Michael towards Jim. Of course, we have Dwight and, uh, and Roy <laughs> uh, threatening to lay the smack down, but really Michael seriously, loudly, angrily telling Jim to shut up, uh, telling him that he doesn't get it. I like that scene, but on the other hand, I agree with what you're saying, is that Jim, the incompetent boob manager, is getting a little old, and at this point, I mean, he is very inexperienced, and he doesn't have that knowledge. I don't know, what could he teach Michael uh, other than <laughs> how to act sane? I don't know, but he's there to to show him not to have tube town. And, uh, and a few other things, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, we, we keep saying this every week, and maybe we're sounding like a broken record, but it, it'd be nice to see him step up and not look foolish, I guess, at least once <laughs> this season. Hopefully that's right. going to be the big season payoff in some way that maybe, you know, Jim will finally stand up. But I think what we did get in this episode, though, is we did see Jim kind of man up and step up when he played along at the end, you know, instead of coming out and telling them, oh, David Wallace said the company was going to go bankrupt and we're all screwed. He kind of mm -hmm. sucked it up and, uh, and and lied. And I guess we can argue, well, is that really <laughs> what a good manager should do or shouldn't do? I don't know. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely what Michael would do. Now, whether <laughs> whether you should be like Mike, I guess that's your own opinion, I suppose. Well, going back to what we were talking about, you know, you briefly mentioned the, the relationship between Andy and Aaron, and we saw that set up, of course, two weeks ago where uh, when Pam and Andy were on their cold calls, and, and uh, you know, we got that kind of going, and then we've had uh, perfect opportunity here. Andy, you know, thinks he's going in for the date, but then gets confused and then uh, then blows it at the end. And, and we've said this before. I mean, are, is Andy and Aaron now the new it couple, Kevin, the, the heart of the show? I don't know if they're the heart, the heart of the show, but they're certainly the burgeoning romance that you can fall in love with. I mean, Jim and Pam, they're married. It's not quite the same as the old days where we were on the edge of our seat about will they or won't they. Well, now <laughs> we have to have a new, a new romance, at least. This was a really effective scene. As much as there was a whole sort of setup about the miscommunication, the awkward, tense thing, and just kind of stretch us out a little bit. And at the same time, the scene as it played out, where they both kind of caught themselves not really being able to kind of stick their neck out a little bit, was kind of poignant when Aaron got up and just walked away, and you kind of felt like, oh, is she going to go and cry or whatever? And that did seem a little natural to me, given mm -hmm. the ridiculous premise. And so... You know, I think that she's doing a real good job of kind of blending in and creating this character with these weird, funny laughs and uh, <laughs> awkward sort of the way she looks at things in kind of awkward ways. And so, yeah. you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think that the writers are excited to write for her because she is such a new character. I think it must be hard to come up with new angles, you know, to look at with Dwight or 
Jim or Michael because they've been writing those same guys for the last six years. Here's a blank slate, and I think that we're getting a lot of interesting Aaron stuff. In fact, um, the deleted scene that we got with Aaron this week was, again, very... (laughs) It was very amusing, but also very kind of depressing in a certain way. Michael yelling at her, and and, and she's crying again. (laughs) So she was not having a a very good day. I I think that the only problem with the relationship thing is there that Andy and Aaron are, of course, way too ridiculous. They both seem like there may be a little few cards short of a full deck here. But I guess, uh, you know, I'm interested to see where that goes and and what's going to happen with them. All right. Um, any other highlights? Anything else you want to talk about before we dive into the credits here? I uh, just do do want to make a correction. The Swedish chef did never appear on Sesame Street. It was only a Muppet Show character for those you sh- of you who were. So you, you sure there was never any crossovers? According to the Muppet Wikipedia or whatever it is. <laughs> okay. Only ever in the Muppet Show. Well, that was a great line. I mean, I, I knew that. That was why it's funny, obviously, because well, yes. Kevin is wrong. So, <laughs> But it, it was funny even if you didn't know that. I mean, the way he delivered it was just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was a great scene. The Creed scene was kind of obvious once it started to happen. It still didn't make it any less funny because yeah. it was really funny. That's hey, a good boss. point. <laughs> yeah. Ah, there's been a murder on you, son. I'm a suspect. Oh, let me settle in. I'll be right back. Yeah, that was that was a great Creed scene. And again, it was uh, just a short little burst and in and out and a you know, visual payoff. So good stuff. Not going to have that in the clips this week, but definitely, definitely one of the highlights. Let's go ahead and dive into the credits then. As I mentioned, written by Daniel Chun. First episode of The Office, written seven Simpsons episodes. Also, this week, directed by, um, I don't know if you ever heard of this guy before, Kevin, but Greg Daniels took the directing helm. He's directed, of course, 11 episodes uh, of the show, including Murder, Baby Shower, Fun Run, The Return, and Traveling Salesman, to name but five. I don't know. To me, this episode, some interesting stuff. I don't know if, if it was his responsibility or the cameraman or whatever. We always talk about this and, and wonder about this. Some very kind of over the top, a little bit interesting or, or different camera positions, especially at the end with the Mexican standoff thing with the cameraman in the middle doing that turn to each mm-hmm. each person and, and following after. It's a little dynamic. I mean, did, does, does Daniels bring anything to the show that uh, these other guest directors don't bring? Well, I guess he brings a history with the show, being one of the creators and showrunners and all that sort of thing. And I guess when paired with a first-time writer, that could be a good combination. All right. Well, it uh, it worked for us, apparently, this week. Let's go ahead and dive into the Michael plotline, then. So here we are, a new morning in the office. Michael is just kind of shooting the crap with Andy there. <laughs> you know, my two favorite art forms are sculpture and, and stand-up comedy. And uh, Andy's big thing, oh, man, I did a stand-up comedy once. Oh, that sounds hilarious. Oh, it was hilarious. (laughs) Doesn't tell any jokes or doesn't say whatever. So a little funny bit there. And Dwight brings up, oh, hey, did you see this email that we got from corporate? Michael, of course, no idea. He's swamped. He must get eight emails a day. He (laughs) He can't keep up with all these things coming in. So um, Dwight reads it to him. Uh, Dunder Mifflin, you might have heard the rumors or read the story in the Wall Street Journal. Don't worry about it until we get to the meeting, whatever. So uh, raises a bunch of alarms. No one knows what's going on. They run over to check it, and uh, it's Oscar 
to the rescue here with a little information. On a day marked by panic corporate board meetings, one that is relatively unsurprising is Dunder Mifflin's. It is rumored that they will recommend, uh, and the article cuts off. The dollar ninety-nine to finish the article. I wonder what it was going to say. Are you serious? I got it. I got it. Oh, ah, Tuna beat me to it. It is rumored that they will recommend declaring bankruptcy. No, no, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, Lord, we're all going to lose our jobs. Not necessarily. Bankruptcy could mean a lot of things. Maybe they're just restructuring to get out of debt. Oh, that sounds awful. Or it could mean the end of Dunder Mifflin. Oh, God, well, that's an interesting theory. You know what? You can all have jobs at Shrewd Farms, as human scarecrows. It doesn't pay much, and you can't unionize. One of the things I wanted to bring up, and you touched on this in our introduction segment, Kevin, is that here we have yet again another appearance of the oh no, we're going to close plotline. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, as you said, starting with season one, starting from the pilot, starting all through there, you know, we're going to be downsized, 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 downsized. Then, you know, all the way through season two, we got that same thing. Then we had, of course, in season three, the merger and all the, all the other stuff. And then season four and five pretty much ignored the economy. Um, and you and I were sitting there saying, what, they're buying new uh, copiers? They have a surplus? What economy are they living in? All this kind of crazy stuff. And now, finally, I guess, here we are, and we're getting this kind of a story. Oh, no, we're going bankrupt. But like you said, I mean, is this, while this might be realistic, I mean, is this something that we're sick of seeing now? The, this is at least the... The third major time here that we've had to worry about this is, is it still fresh or are they uh, kind of tapping the, the dry well with this plot line? Well, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm not excited about this. I think it would be a very interesting, different dynamic to see Dunder Mifflin expanding and seeing if there were rival branches that were doing better or should Jim be trying to get that promotion to the other branch or you know, something where there could be some different kind of dynamics in the typical downsizing thing, which you've mentioned we've seen a million times. All right. Well, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I, it feels like this is going to be the big season-long arc now. Um, and if you look on uh, Wikipedia or look in the, the coming soon episodes in the next month or so, you can see that this is going to continue on and uh, and keep playing out. So, yeah, I mean, to me, that was one of the things on my initial watch that I felt was a little a little tired because it feels like we've seen this before. And, in fact, uh, when Kelly is in the break room saying, oh, what if we never see each other again? I mean, that's almost <laughs> word for word something we got last season or, you know, in season three with the branch closing episode, with uh, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, maybe a, a little repetitive, but I guess we'll, we'll see where this goes, and hopefully it will have a different uh, turn of events, but I mean, ultimately, really, where can it go, other than Thunder Mifflin keeps Scranton open in some way, or maybe they, maybe they could get sold. I don't know. Do you think well, that could be possible? What would we do with all our Dunder Mifflin merchandise? Maybe, maybe they could get sold, and then they could buy back the company. No, wait, that was Mad Men. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I, I guess the one thing I can see is, let's see, you know, could Jim? Get that account for the Walmart or some big giant chain that could save Dunder Mifflin. That would bring these two plot lines together, and it would certainly be a big deal for Jim to have a big success there at the end. So we'll see. That could I be suppose. one way. That that uh, that sounds like it'd be a little corny, but still, I guess we'll see <laughs> what happens with that. All right. Well, so there we go. I mean, the the branch is in dangerous financial trouble. 
everyone's just wondering, and this kicks off the whole thing, oh, what's going to happen to us? Now, uh, Michael, well aware of this, as we said, he's very upset. While they're reading these, he's like, oh, oh, no, oh, no, oh, that's terrible. And and then goes into the bathroom, throwing up, you know, obviously very upset. This, <laughs> uh, I love this. Uh, Michael then retreats into his office, and like we've seen in times of crisis, iTunes helps solve the wounds. We have to do something because people are losing it out there wondering what's going to happen. Okay, we need some sort of distraction for everybody. Anything new on YouTube? Michael. Doesn't even need to be good. Oh, God, I can't think. I need more Mullins. Even a smile. Wallace said these were just rumors, right? So we have no reason to think that the company's anything but fine. So if we just go on with our work, you and me, they'll follow along. Monkey see, monkey do. That's it. Monkey pee all over you. That rhymes. Uh, it does indeed. So again, like we said, you know, if it's not listening to the 30 second preview to uh, heal his broken heart here, he is apparently paid for the whole song, I guess, or <laughs> or else has the CD or something. But he needs more Mullins. Mullins will get you through, I got to say. Um, <laughs> so here he is, though. I mean, again, we, we so we can see it's been well established. Michael's very bothered, very upset by what's happening. We need a distraction. Hey, I heard there's a new wedding dance video, Kevin, on the YouTube. Maybe we can watch that. Well, that was a neat little callback there for YouTube. That's where <laughs> Michael gets all his good jokes. So, <laughs> All right, so like you said, a distraction is needed. And, uh, well, Jim, of course, being very no-nonsense, you know, we got to talk to people. we got to tell them nothing to the rumors. Let's just go out there and do our jobs, and, and things will take care of themselves. And uh, you'd think that he's been in a corporate job long enough to never know, you know, to know never to trust the uh, higher-ups when they tell you that everything's fine <laughs> or don't worry about things because generally, yeah, it's right about the time you should start worrying. Or to trust Michael when he tells you, yeah, let's go ahead with the get-to-work plan as opposed to the distraction plan. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Well, so, Michael, you know, what can we do? Well, it's time for our annual or our, our monthly conference room meeting and they go in there and Jim's just rambling on about the website code and then can't tell the zero from the O and <laughs> and this and that and all kinds of nonsense. Michael can't take it anymore. He flips out, goes back into his office, Dwight leaves to take care of him and then Michael comes back with his big idea. Oh my God. What? What is, what is, what is, what is it? happening? Is there right. news? There has been a murder. What? A mur what? There's been a murder in Savannah. Games have the power to distract people from stressful situations. Battleship got me through my parents' divorce. Operation got me through my vasectomy, i.e. my operation. I don't think I would have been able to endure my breakup with Holly had it not been for Toss Across. Bells, Bourbon, and Bullets, a murder mystery dinner party game. It is so much fun. Everybody plays a character. We go around the room. We try to figure out who did it. Hey, I'm wondering if this is a um, terrible idea. This is my call, Jim. Big picture stuff. It's about murder. I thought we agreed that we wouldn't do things like this. Tube City, you owe me one. Co-managing is a give and take. You have to pick your battles. 
One of the battles that I picked was to stop Michael from running plastic tubes all over the office and placing hamsters inside of them. He was going to call it Tube City. So, yes, I do owe him one. So, Kevin, let me throw this out to you. Tube City, hilarious joke or ridiculously over-the-top joke? Ridiculously over-the-top joke. Uh, Yeah, if you just, like, landed out of nowhere and watched this episode, (laughs) you must think that Michael Scott is just the craziest person in the world because he's running hamsters around the office he's you know on the most important day of these this of all days he has to play the murder mystery game like what is going on (laughs) so yeah i guess jim blew it when and uh well good to know that he does follow up on his favors and if michael owes him one then he owes him one yeah white picked the wrong guy to try to call a favor on yeah uh... he's gotten jim to owe him a favor then he could have said well you owe me one now you have to quit yeah, that, oh, well. yeah that, that's interesting. I forgot about that. So there's a, a favor callback, definitely. Uh, put the kibosh on the tube town, <laughs> the tube city. And so he gets to play his game. Now, I didn't pick up on this at all, really, Kevin, the whole murder mystery game thing. I, I remember back in the 80s that that was sort of a little popular party trend for a while there. Uh, and, in fact... <laughs> I remember specifically buying one, and I think it's still in my parents' closet, but I had a host-your-own-murder <laughs> mystery game, but it was set in the Star Trek Next Generation universe. Well, <laughs> so, that sounds like a match made in heaven in terms it of... certainly does. I think entertainment. Our, at our next That's What She Said corporate retreat, Kevin, uh, you're Dr. Pulaski. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, but oh, I, it didn't really occur to me. I mean, this seemed like, oh, it's one of those kind of cheesy, corny things that people used to play. It makes sense that Michael would have this. But then, apparently, you told me today that this was actually a product placement. Is that true? Well, no, it's all over NBC's website, and uh, they've got links all over there. So they're definitely, I don't know if it was a product placement per se, but it's definitely a currently available game in stores now, and they've got a bunch of different games available, including Ho-Ho Homicide, which is strangely about Santa Claus, not prostitutes. So, ah, well, yeah. it seems to lend itself so well to murder, but alas. Well, so okay, there we go. I'm assuming that that was a product placement, although I'm not sure how much cash that they could splurge on a company, uh, you know, and their advertising budget. But still, there's the setup. Of course, then Michael busts out the box, passes out the cards and the little things, you know, the, the little props that the people are supposed to wear. And, you know, everybody does need a distraction, of course. Everyone's sort of getting into it. We keep getting those shots of Jim uh, rolling his eyes and shaking his head. And everyone, even even Stanley and Angela, agree to play with a few bribes. Stanley is is pretty easy. Pretzel, sandwich platter, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes, you got him there. Angela may be even easier with the baby carrots. Michael gets them all excited. You know, here's the thing, though. Angela... She, you know, she's just not really feeling very comfortable with this game. Michael, I don't like this game. It's scary. It's not scary. I don't like my character. Who are you? Voodoo Mama Juju, the <laughs> witch doctor of the Savannah Swamps. I'm not comfortable with this. Well, how do you think I feel? I mean, I have to play Caleb Crawdad, handsome playboy. Well, 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 what is this contraption I do declare? My Blackberry, Michael. I'm trying to get updates on the company. Who's Michael? I'm Caleb Crawdad. I do declare. You don't have to keep saying I do declare. Anytime you say something, it means you're declaring. That is the way Southern people talk. And what designing woman are you basing that on? Delta Buck. I do declare. (laughs) So, 
<laughs> a great Ryan line again, like with the Creed bit. There's the one Ryan line of the episode, and it's a solid gold zinger. Um, here he is, though, in that weird, like, glasses and sweater outfit that we <laughs> saw him messing with a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's good. And uh, we got a good little bit there with Steve Carell getting right into character, <laughs> showing how it's done. I, and it's just so funny. It, of course, Michael would make sure that he gets the playboy, the the, the romance, yeah. the Lothario. You know, just like, of course, Michael would do that. Yeah. What a burden he has to have. Yeah. You think it's character. easy for me playing this playboy with a different woman to oogle every week or whatever you say? Kissing and hugging. And and um, I just, you know, it's pretty funny. It's It almost disappoints me that this is a real game because it's so ridiculous and it just seems so corny on purpose. Uh, I love that line. <laughs> I love Angela's bad mama voodoo juju <laughs> with her little shrunken head thing and she has like a little skull cap, a uh, little witch doctor kind of thing to, to wear on yes. her head. So it's very funny, and she has a very funny line that we will see uh, shortly as far as what's going on. So Michael explains what's going on. They pass the cards around. Everybody sort of starts to get into it, um, except for, of course, like you said, you know, Oscar and, and Jim constantly wondering what's going on in the real world, like perhaps a normal person might. Uh, but for some baffling reason, here we have Pam is back in the fold, willing to dive right in and uh, get things going, and she offers to go first, and she reads her little character description. Um, you know, my name's Deb Utant, <laughs> which Andy <laughs> finds delightful. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a hilarious little pun. And, and, of course, she's talking in a very kind of, my character's named Deb Utant, kind of little hillbilly accent that uh, you know, doesn't quite pass the muster with the experts in the crowd. You sound like Forrest Gump. I do not. Well, you do, actually. You've got this kind of like Florida panhandle thing going, whereas what you really want is more of a Savannah accent, which is more like molasses just sort of spilling out of your mouth. Oh, now do the Swedish chef. Uh, I'm not familiar. What province is he from? He lives on Sesame Street, dumbass. <laughs> you know, I think I'm supposed to say something to Pam, I mean Deb, okay? I overheard you asking the butler where the pistol was kept. <gasps> wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the butler. Wait, you were listening in on that? Oh, you rich people. You think you can do whatever you want to the servant class. No, no, no. Don't turn this into a political thing. I will poison your food. <laughs> I do believe that the game is a big hit. People are really diving into their characters. Y'all. <laughs> so Kevin's last little line right there, they're diving into their characters. He's like... Y'all, <laughs> chewing on his little fake cigar. You know, some great stuff in there. I don't know. I know it's insane. I love Dwight's rant <laughs> about the servant class being <laughs> oppressed. And that's like, uh, you know, that's hilarious. The, he's on Sesame Street, dumbass. Uh, and he's very sincere. You know, what province is he from? <laughs> you know, I kind of like the angry Kevin. We haven't seen that side of Kevin I don't think for a while. That was that kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? He really <laughs> yeah. laid into Andy on that. That was a great and, line. Although, what was Andy asking about? What province was he from? Yeah, so he was. <laughs> well, he wanted to know what province of Sweden to do. You know, he has the different accents for the. Oh, what province of Sweden? Okay. He has the different. You know, it depends if it's southern Sweden or the northern part of Sweden. Uh, so that was you know, that was a hilarious line and deservedly insulting. That's kind of interesting because. 
you know, we've been talking about this, and uh, one of my friends commented on this the other day, that so far in Season 6 that they've really been sort of building up that Kevin and Oscar bickering married couple sort of vibe. And we didn't really see that this week. But, yeah, Kevin uh, Kevin was actually pretty decent. Didn't didn't really come across as uh, anybody's retarded <laughs> nephew. Although, <laughs> I love that line where Michael says, you know, if you're, if you're kind of slow in real life, you can explain that your character is kicked in the head by a horse. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, oh, it's a good idea. I'll try that. So, yeah, the, <laughs> some good stuff. And that was, uh, that was one of the biggest laugh-out-loud moments for me there in... The Thursday viewing. So as Michael said, everyone's kind of getting into it, um, getting into their characters, going back and forth. Um, Andy gives this big thing and talks to Aaron about, you know, who are you? So what's left with then is for people to start to interrogate each other and try to piece together the clues and and get the alibis. Um, Dwight, aside from being the very socially conscious butler, is of course an ex-volunteer deputy. And uh, he takes his detective skills to the next level. And I included this in here for a couple of reasons, an awesome Angela line and, uh, surprisingly enough, a very, very astute Dwight observation. Voodoo Mama Juju, explain your dalliance with the dark arts. Not my fault. I was exposed to Harry Potter. I know you did it! I know she didn't do it. It's never the person you most suspect. It's also never the person you least suspect since anyone with half a brain would suspect them the most. Therefore, I know the killer to be Phyllis, a.k.a. Beatrix Bourbon, the person I most medium suspect. (laughs) I love that. It makes such perfect sense, and it was great that he does exactly pick who the person turns out to be. So Dwight's picking the person he most medium suspects. Uh, Maybe something to live by, Kevin. Well, I, yeah, that's a good theory. I mean, they should be teaching that in police departments all across the country now. It's been <laughs> proven. But, yeah, no, it was, a good, it was a good scene there. This is a good use of Dwight. And there was enough Dwight in this episode. You're right. It maybe could be his Emmy uh, submission here. Well, I, I think that was a great Dwight line for a couple of reasons. For one, it totally fits in with his character, and it seems very natural for him to say. And it's not just some wacky thing about my grandpa Mannheim or Uncle Wilhelmina <laughs> or some wacky Shroot Farms business, uh, like his chicken fighting uncle or whatever from last week. <laughs> right. So you know, it was a great line. And of course, Kevin, the line that hits maybe a little too close to home. Um, how did you learn the dark arts? I was exposed to Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't know about your, uh, where you live or how things are in your kids' schools, but um, in, in Racine here, we actually had a woman who was in charge of our curriculum who was a born-again Christian who banned Harry Potter books from our school curriculum. Well, I, I, I may not be making any friends here on the podcast, but I'm really not a fan. And I, I went to one of those... Uh, <laughs> Bookstores, you know, when they had the big opening and people are dressed up, and I made the mistake of walking in the nine o'clock before midnight, and when the new book was coming out, and I got inundated. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> well, whether you like them or not, you don't think that they're going to cause black arts in your children, do you? Black heart, maybe. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, let's move on, you grumpy old Gus. <laughs> well, as you said, you know, the game is afoot. People are starting to get into everything. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Oscar, still the spoil sport, still checking the emails, still connected to the real world, still trying to bring everybody down with his news. (laughs) And he comes in after getting an email, and this has to be 
you know, I, I have to give kudos to uh, Oscar Nunez for delivering what is possibly the worst Southern accent I think I've ever, ever heard in my entire life. I just got an email from corporate, specifically for accounting to stop all payments to our vendors. What does that mean? Well, maybe nothing, but it could whoa, be a problem whoa, of liquidity. What's this strange Yankee accent coming out of your mouth, son? This here is Savannah. Phyllis, uh... Oh. This plantation... We're running low on uh, greenbacks, and we're having problems uh, paying. Michael, I can't. Basically, it could mean a lot of things, but it is unprecedented, so it's cause for concern. Okay, I'm going back to work. No, 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 no. We still don't know who the murderer is. Now the nutmeg, come back in here. I can't do this myself. Who mama juju? What am I gonna do? Uh, so, like I said, I cut out actually a lot more of his uh, attempt to speak. It was very extremely painful. I don't know what he was doing. He tried to go into a falsetto for some reason, <laughs> and I, it, it, it mind-bogglingly bad, uh, I have to say. Well, you know, so there's the setup, and this is one thing I have to say that's kind of interesting to me, Kevin, and it kind of took me by surprise. I don't know about you guys, but... Um, Michael right there when everybody kind of is about to leave or get up he plays the part of the tape that says that you know Phyllis was the killer you know that that character was the killer and so it kind of spoils it for everyone and uh, and and then you know it's pretty much over and that came really at the halfway point in the episode so I I was actually at the on Thursday night very surprised uh, that it was already over. I thought that they were going to drag it out for the rest of the episode uh, and wasn't quite sure then what they were going to do next. I don't know. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, it did seem a, a little bit early, but then, of course, uh, this is where the writers, I guess, get paid the big bucks because then <laughs> you got the second half and a lot of different things happening there. So maybe it was good that they didn't have it go on and on and on. And the other thing, too, about that scene, of course, Phyllis is the killer, so the camera fl- flips over to Dwight and he has this look towards the camera like see I told you and it, does it seem to you and he did this also in the cold open where he talked about measles is it seem like Dwight is looking at the camera more than he used to <laughs> in those types of natural settings as opposed to in the talking head environment um you know I I'm not sure I have to I I want to say that I feel like he's done that before when he's had something where he feels like he's really made a point or had some burn or something to say um i think that he has done that in the past but i you know i don't have any hard evidence to back that up seems like it's happening more often well you could be could be right uh, i guess somebody's got to look at the camera if it's not going to be jim it's got to be dwight <laughs> uh <laughs> so you know and well as much as you think well okay it's half the episode's halfway over and the mystery game's over uh, what are they going to do now? Well, really, Michael doesn't <laughs> doesn't let it end. Um, you know, he, he he somehow, despite everything, kicks the game back into gear, and um, you know he knows what they need. They need to be occupied, and he's going to damn well try to get them back. You all skedaddled way too soon. We need to reopen this case. No, we're not reopening the case. The case is closed. No, it ain't. Frankly, I'm not surprised. A lot of the evidence seemed to be based on puns. You're sure it was water? It couldn't have been acid? I already declared you it was too dark to tell! Stop playing games with me, Claudette! This is not a game! This is my life! You are out of order! Answer me! I think Michael may have snapped. Or maybe he's just stuck in character. Well, which is worse, 
snapped or stuck? Both. They're both worse. <laughs> Did that make any sense to you right there, what they said? They're both worse? <laughs> uh, that was an opportunity for a better Jim punchline that they kind of left hanging. Yeah. He, he should have said something. Uh, the, the setup there with Dwight, of course, Dwight jumps right back into the murder mystery thing. <laughs> you know, He jumps in there, and then he's interrogating Michael. It was just hilariously funny. Yeah. Both of those characters were yelling at each other, so... This was good stuff. And that's but that's one of those scenes as we mentioned where it was funny and I like watching it and I'm smiling while I'm listening to it. Uh pretty ridiculous. Although uh you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but what the hell? It was entertaining and enjoyable and just I declared to you already that it was too dark <laughs> to see. Right. Um uh, so yeah, so now here we are. Michael just won't let it die. Jim keeps thinking, well, he's going crazy, you know, what is he doing, why does he keep bringing this back up, and, uh, well, we're going to find out then here that Michael has a very good reason, and Jim is about to learn just what that reason is. Okay, I'm just going to skip right past the what and go with why. Because this is the recreation of a crime scene. Michael, can I talk to you in no, your office? No, Michael, here, my Caleb. name Caleb! Today, of all no, day. No, you shut up. They need this game, Jim. Let us have this stupid little game, all right? Oh, you startled me. What can I do you for? Wallace is on the phone. He's returning your call. Detective Wallace? I don't think so. I think it's David Wallace from Dunder Mifflin. Oh, shucks. Tell him I'm not here. You're not going to answer the phone? No. I only answer to Detective Wallace because I got a warm body in the other room. I'll take it. Uh, so there we are. Like I said, the highlight for me and, and maybe the Jim lovers and uh, the Michael haters will be shocked and disturbed at that scene. And, and no one will probably be surprised that I enjoyed that. But uh, great scene. And I think the thing that was really the best about it was that it came out of left field, really. That that emotional punch. And he was so very serious about it. And part of it you know, we can say, yeah, Michael was doing it for the office, but really I think he was doing it mostly for himself because he was very upset. He was the one that was mostly upset uh, by things. But still, you know, the lesson there, uh, how to be a boss, you know, you got to think of the kids. Uh, don't be a dick. You know, let them have their, their distraction. Uh, and so it's fair enough to Jim, I guess. He learns his lesson and uh, kind of has to do all the dirty work here for Michael uh, goes and talks to Detective Wallace uh, and finds out what's going on, and it is not looking good. We'll put down our weaponry on... Hey, David. Things are still a bit unclear. We didn't officially decide anything yet. Okay. But if I can be candid with you here, Jim, mm -hmm. it's not good. We fully expect to be out of money by the end of the year, insolvent. What's the news? Nothing yet. Well, I guess that's not... Well, there is... Some bad news. There has been another murder. A murder, you say? I do declare. Conference room, everyone. I think today was a good day to have two managers. Because if you're a family stuck on a lifeboat in the middle of the ocean, one parent might want to just keep rowing. But if the other parent wants to play a game, it's not because they're crazy. It's because they're doing it for the kids. And I get that now. There has been a lot of murder and a lot of intrigue. 
My little heart can barely take it no more. Today is the hardest I have worked in a long, long time. <laughs> you know, I actually really, I, I was almost ready to throttle Michael when he kept talking in that accent at the end right there. <laughs> it was almost okay. It's been fun. It's been clever. Okay, shut up now. But yeah, that was a great line. And, and the thing that was great about that is, of course, Jim acknowledges the fact that Michael taught him something, but then Michael still shows himself to be kind of a doofus with the, you know, oh, I haven't ever worked this hard in a long time. Right, exactly. Yeah, and and even in the previous scene, although there really was more of a Michael scene, I did like the way Jim fans had something to, to latch on there, the way he kind of upped the ante a little bit in conf- confronting Michael there, raising his voice and all that. And although Michael perhaps was right, then uh, at least Jim's kind of stepping up and, and raising the stakes a little bit. So good little lesson there for, for Jim. But, I, again, be nice if Jim pulled one out next time. Well, I think they're, I mean, they're going to have to. There's really not much choice. They can't, you know, they're really good at, at not dragging things out, I think, too long. You know, we only had a couple of weeks of the mom plot line. Um, this bankruptcy plot line seems like it's going to go, you know, well, what did he say, by the first of the year? So, obviously, this is going to take us through Christmas, at least. So, once we come back from the holiday break, maybe that'll resolve itself, and we'll spend the, the last eight, nine episodes trying to figure out where to go from there. Um, do, I, do, but, I, do I see a Christmas miracle on the horizon? <laughs> well, Kevin, I don't know. I, 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 just, I, I read the little plot description about an hour ago for the Christmas episode this season, so um, <laughs> maybe that mm-hmm. new Santa this year can bring some holiday magic. Okay, uh, one last scene in this plot line then is the much talked about and much ballyhooed uh, Mexican standoff scene. Uh, it ends, <laughs> we come back from the final commercial with Michael and Andy and Dwight all in the conference room in a Mexican standoff with finger guns pointed at each other. Of course, Dwight says he has crossbows, not guns. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, well, someone surprisingly gets in on the action. We'll put down our weaponry on the count of three. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. One, two, two, three. Andy revealed himself to be a double agent, at which point Dwight felt comfortable revealing that he also was a double agent, and then Michael announced to everybody that, get this, he was a double agent. Oh, and it is 6 o'clock. Really? It wasn't me. I'm not going down for this! Yeah, I want to go home. Get the keys out of my purse, start the car. Good times, Kevin. Good times to be had there. Now, this is, that's the thing. I mean, that's a, to me, like I said before, it's kind of a controversial scene in some ways. Um, very funny. Like Cafe Disco, they're having a blast doing it. You know, you can tell it's just full of fun, and it, it's fun because you like those characters in that plot line. Um, believable, maybe. In fact, the pan would be in it, maybe a little harder to believe. 
I don't know, but still a great scene. Well, especially with the scene earlier that we didn't play with Pam going and talking to Jim about, well, what about our future? And Jim's still trying to kind of be a steady hand and say, you know, this is a good company and all that. So it, it does seem like she's a little bit sort of back and forth here, but uh, very, very entertaining. That's uh, what we ask for on Thursday night. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go ahead and go on into the Andy and Aaron plotline very briefly. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, you know, it's been percolating for a while, and here it comes to a head once uh, Kelly kind of throws that line out there about everyone being gone and not seeing each other again. Andy has to take things into his own hands and does so in character. You guys, what if this is our last day at work? What if we never see each other ever again? I like Aaron. There, I said it. Kind of hoping she would ask me out, but things have not panned out on that front. So... It's time for the Nard Dog to take matters into his own paws. Hey there, young lady. Hello. <laughs> I would be remiss if I did not ask the pretty young lady out on a date for this weekend. Sounds like a plan, sugar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the plan it is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a short little scene there, and that's kind of what we were talking about as far as maybe why so many people are starting to, to shine, take a shine to Aaron. Her mannerisms and the way she's being played by Ellie Kemper, just kind of those quick laughs and weird smiles and, and her facial tics and, and different things, the way that she acts, very endearing. So, you know, it's a very cute little scene. No, it was nice to see little references to the Nard Dog once again, taking matter into his own paws. And, yeah, that, that scene was funny. And, you know, it, it's too bad that they had the miscommunication because clearly the brother wouldn't be asking out Naughty Nelly, right? So well, her, she should have known that it was up board, on board. But anyway. Her boudoir yeah, so. is always open, Kevin. I mean, That's she right. went for the threesome with Meredith and Kevin, so who knows? Yep. Uh, no, good stuff, though. So the last thing is Andy, you know, after seeing her in the game, not quite sure what just happened and uh, really pretty much blows it for himself. Do you want to go out on the date with me? We can make out by the horses. Well, you know, old Nelly is always up for a romp in the hay. Nice. I'm a little worried I might have asked out Naughty Nelly and not Aaron. Which would be a whole lot less appealing because Naughty Nelly says yes to everyone. And she might be a murderer. Speaking of weekends, you excited about our date this weekend? Of course, Nathaniel. <laughs> okay. Where are you taking me? Well, Finest Steakhouse in all Savannah. Oh, Savannah? That's a far away from Scranton. Did you mean a real date? No. <laughs> Did you? Totally not. I thought it was for real, so I was excited, but it was just, it was part of the game. So there's our sad little moment. Um, Aaron, quick, quick to say, no, it's not. Andy, quick to say, no, it's not. And they blow it for each other, and I get a tear in my eye. But Pam was watching, so maybe she can do the right thing <laughs> and kind of get them together. Uh, there, yeah, and it, you of course you cut out the little weekend of Bernie's thing. Very funny stuff there. He comes bopping up there, trying to bridge the conversation between a weekend and the upcoming weekend. So, 
I, you know, to be honest with you, I could listen to those guys in the southern accents speak that way <laughs> all the time. Especially, especially Carell and Helms and even Ellie Kemper. There. Oh, very man. entertaining. Well, I got to say, you better watch what you wish for. That might be the next spinoff, The Southern <laughs> Office. I do declare, Dwight, that is crazy. Uh, in any case, I think I've had just about enough of the southern accents to last me a lifetime. Well, let's have a good word to see if these two crazy kids hook up. So the only thing that's left, of course, is this very weird deleted scene with Aaron and, and Michael. And I'm really glad they left this one on the cutting room floor because uh, although I do like my office awkwardness, this seemed a little too tense. I don't know. I actually really like this scene. I, I would have rather seen this than Dwight punching himself in the nads any day. Anything? Is that done? This is my mom. Do you want... No, no, no. I'll call you back. Okay, bye. Sorry, I just wanted to talk for a second. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. That no news is good news, right? Let me know if anybody calls. Okay, should we... I'll is that your... for them or I can call you. That's your job. Thunder Mifflin, this is Aaron. He is, okay. but he's at lunch right now. Sure. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. You too. Bye. If it's not for me, don't make it look like it's for me, okay? I'm sorry. Because I... I'm going to my pants. Okay, I'm sorry. It's my fault. Michael, um, I'm sorry before that I did not know what you were talking about. <sighs> don't. Okay. Do you want any? Don't even for... talk. Don't even talk to me. Okay? All right? If they do call, don't... Only if they call me, then talk to me, okay? If it's anything else, or if you want to apologize to me for calling me when they weren't calling, then don't do that, all right? Do you understand? You're very, very nice, but you're you really... You're, you're kind of pissing me off, okay? Heart. All right. Okay, don't cry. Don't cry, please. Don't cry. Everybody's sort of high strung, so okay. chalk it up to that. <laughs> okay. We're all in it well, together. Well, don't laugh either. Just don't cry and don't laugh. Good? All right. I don't know, man. I love that scene. I don't know what to say about that. It's just, it's so frustrating. Michael is, you know, she keeps making these little motions like someone's on the phone or it's the phone for him. He's so desperate. He just keeps getting more and more upset and uh, and it builds to a head, but still, you know, he has <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was great. It seemed a little negative. That's my only thing. Although I, I don't disagree. There were lots of funny parts in that. All right, Kevin. Uh, we mentioned at the top of the show here, uh, we are being sponsored again this episode by Audible.com. So let's go ahead and talk for a second about them. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. provides digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer an iPod or MP3 player. Now, one of the advantages of this is, of course, you can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. Um, you know, a lot of people complain that they don't have time to read, uh, but a lot of people we get emails on, of course, always talking about how they're bored at work, how that's what she said helps them get through their day. Well, you know, we're only two men. We can only entertain you so much, Devin, before, you know, we get tired, and so here's a perfect opportunity. Step up and uh, give this a shot. You get a free audiobook credit for signing up for this 14-day trial. There's over 50,000 titles to choose from. Every genre Audible has it covered. 
Um, so head on over if you want to give this a shot. 14 days, no money spent out of pocket at all. If you like it, you can keep going with it. If you don't, just cancel within those 14 days, and we will still get a little kickback from that, and you will help the show. Uh, that's audiblepodcast.com slash she said. Um, I am right now in the middle of actually reading, reading the new Stephen King book, Under the Dome. I got that in the mail from Amazon the other day, and that thing is almost a cube. Kevin, it is ridiculously thick, and I wish, I only wish I had the audiobook version. So don't be like me. Don't put up with those old bulky paper books. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Use your iPod and uh, make the world a wonderful place. This is why Gender Mifflin's in trouble, because people are <laughs> stopping buying paper. Uh, you can also support the show by signing up for a two-week free trial to Netflix. That's netflix.com slash TWSS, plans starting at $4.99 per month, where you can rent DVDs by mail, over 100,000 titles to choose from, including classics to new releases and TV series. You can keep each movie as long as you want with no late fees ever and free shipping both ways. They also have the, uh, watch, uh, they also have the Instant Watch service where you can watch movies right from your computer, your Xbox 360, or now your PlayStation 3 and other devices. Uh, smaller library, but still over uh, 12,000 titles to choose from. You can watch anytime. And Matt, and past that's what she said episode, I gave Melora Hardin quite a hard time about her movie, You. Well, I'm <laughs> pleased to report that I, through Netflix, got the movie 17 again, which uh, came out earlier this year and is now available on DVD. And she plays the high school principal who is wooed by a very odd uh relative of Zac Efron, and she's got some good stuff in this movie. I have to give her credit. So if you like Melora Hardin, you might love Seventeen again. All right. And we'll make up for you, at least. <laughs> make it, yes, indeed. So if you want more movies, direct to your door or through your computer, go to netflix.com slash TWSS for your free two-week free trial. Yeah, uh, like I said before, if you haven't tried it out, give it a shot. Um, the streaming service is, is really cool. I've watched a lot of stuff. I just last night watched uh, Jenna Fisher's ex-husband, James Gunn, in The Specials. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, Kevin. Yeah, uh, it it's a superhero kind of feel. It's sort of like The Office with superheroes, I guess, is kind of a cheesy way to put it. Um, some big-name actors in there, Thomas Hayden Church, Paget Brewster, uh, Rob Lowe, um, you know, not really huge, huge names, but still recognizable actors in there. So it was, it was a fun little 80-minute romp. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, Hammond's is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Oh, the weight paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the one. Why didn't, uh... Let me get it. You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All right, well, just a few little news tidbits this week here. Uh, our friend Aaron Ellie Kemper appeared on the Today Show this past week to promote the show and the game Clue The Office. Um, she mentioned that she auditioned for Parks and Recreation but ended up with a gig on The Office. Interesting little factoid there. Um, I wonder what part was it that she auditioned for? Yeah, I was thinking about that. She didn't mention the role, but i got to think it would have been either the Rashida Jones character or the, the intern. Probably 
the Rashida Jones character, just from hmm. an age perspective. I really, I, I, I would maybe I was thinking the intern character, but um, yeah, I don't know. Whatever the case may be, that would have been an interesting, interesting fit. That's actually the, that character is probably my least favorite on uh, Parks and Recreation. So uh, yep. it'd be interesting to see your take on that. But alas, then we wouldn't have our our little Aaron. Uh, before we go on to the next news item, though, speaking of the clue, the office. Uh, I don't know about you, I haven't picked up my copy yet, but if you want to help support the podcast and you already have Netflix, you don't want to mess around with Audible, one thing you can do is go to the TWSSpodcast.com webpage, click on our Amazon link, and you can buy anything you want through that link, and we will also get a little bit of kickback on that, including the Clue Office game, Kevin, for now, for the mere price of twenty nine sixty. Free shipping, you can have that wonderful piece of craftsmanship hand-delivered to your door. So if that intrigues you, head on over to the webpage. Click on our link, order it up, and help us kick back a few percent. Well, uh, Steve Carell, his new movie coming out next year, Date Night. The trailer has debuted, and in my household is Winning Raves. The film co-stars Tina Fey, James Franco, Mila Kunis, Common, and others. And the film seems to have the same sort of action-comedy mix that made Get Smart a hit. You can watch the trailer at thefratpack.com. And this looked really cool to me, so I uh, thought we'd share that. Um, the other thing I want to mention that relates to thefratpack.com, we have some news that um, the uh, Gentleman's Quarterly, GQ, awarded the guys from The Hangover, including Ed Helms, as their men of the year. So another kudos <laughs> for Ed Helms there. All right, and speaking of which, that DVD and Blu-ray is coming out shortly, so if you haven't seen that, another pick to order through Netflix or through the Amazon link. Uh, I believe the Blu-ray is going for sixteen ninety-nine if you pre-order it now through Amazon. Wow. Good stuff. All right. We also mentioned, again, of course, the MondoMysteries.com website if you're interested in owning your own copy of the game. Uh, however, I guess we already know who's, who, who did it, so it might not be too fun anymore to play through that one, but still, go check that out if you want. Um, remember, you can follow Kevin and myself on Twitter, twitter.com slash summermat, and twitter.com slash Kevin Crossman. You can also get a That's What She Said feed at twitter.com slash podcast. And of course you can check out all the office people that are on Twitter. Just go to nbc.com slash theoffice to check about all the cast and staff, including the fake Twitter accounts, right over there. <laughs> all right, uh, just a little t- bit from the cast blog this week. Uh, Dwight posted another update to his diabolical blog, uh, specifically referencing a previous episode here. If history has taught me anything, it's that you never count Chuck and Norris out. And, most importantly, in any quest for power, one needs allies. All right? To take Jim Halpert down, I will create strong alliances with my co-workers. I don't care for anyone in the office, but that's not important. My plan is to sway the nitwits I work with over to my side with my generosity. But what sort of gift would gain their loyalty? Initially, I thought about offering them some homemade soap or deerskin coasters, but after <laughs> noting their girth, it occurred to me that the weight of the office's heart is through its stomach. So there we go, a little bit of a, you know, some insight on his bagel plan from <laughs> last week's episode. So he, he ends that post with, together we will rise up against the house of Halpert. <laughs> Just hilarious stuff in the diabolical Yeah, blog. I still wish, I still wish that we would be seeing a more 
you know, intellectual scheming plan than uh, than than just bringing bagels and then trying to cash in the favor instantly. All right, well, let's talk about the next new episode, Shareholder Meeting, coming on November 19th. Michael gets excited when he's invited by David Wallace to be honored on stage at the Dunder Mifflin Shareholder Meeting in New York, and he brings Andy, Dwight, and Oscar along for the ride. Meanwhile, Jim has a hard time getting Ryan to do work. Hmm. Hmm. Boy, it seems like only last year we had an episode where Michael, uh, Andy, and Oscar went off to a convention in a foreign city. And it just seems like two seasons ago we had an episode where Ryan was trying to get Jim to do work. Yeah, there you go. How the tables have turned. You know, it'd be interesting to see if they How go the back. Turn tables. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to quote Michael Scott, you know, if um, it'd be interesting to see that what they do with that is Jim going to go back to hounding Ryan with uh, calling him out for what he did to him earlier. Uh, or has that gone by the wayside? It sure seems like they've dropped that ever since the Michael Scott paper company thing. But uh, it'd be interesting, interesting to see how that plays out. And again, based on the company being bankrupt and everything, that sounds kind of like a weird plot thing that they would have. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're trying to convince the shareholders, you know, to pony up more dough. And here's here's our golden boy, Michael Scott. Uh, <laughs> He'll bring it home. I don't know, but uh, interesting. We'll see that next week. Now, you're going to be out of town. Is that right during that time, Kevin? Well, I'm leaving on Friday after this episode airs, so we won't have a new That's What She Said episode until after Thanksgiving. But it's okay because we have a two-week break for the shows, so we won't get behind the next new episode after shareholder meeting. All right. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, some feedback on that. So she said, episode 83, we talked about double date. Uh, Mallory Baikura, I'm sorry if I'm mangling your last name there, uh, said, as far as the suicide prevention people talking about the last episode of The Office, the point of this show is that it makes fun of off-color things. We all agree that racism or judging people based on the fact that they're gay is inappropriate. Michael Scott's clueless nature is what makes these taboo subjects the comical topics of Office episodes. We all agree that suicide is serious and not funny, hence Daryl and everyone else's reaction. Uh, the reason it's funny is that Michael is trying to take a serious subject and make it humorous. If you don't get that about The Office, then that was probably the first episode the suicide prevention advocates had ever watched. Uh, and then in reference to our pumpernickel bagel debate, she says, Dwight offers Stanley a pumpernickel bagel because it has a lower sugar level than more leavened bagels. Uh, it has been mentioned before on the show that Stanley has diabetes, so I think Dwight got the lower glycemic bagel for for Stanley, at least that's how I interpret it. I'm sorry, I think that's overthinking it way too much. Stan I think the joke was just that Dwight got Stanley the black bagel because he's the black guy. But, uh, you know, it makes uh, it makes sense, I suppose. Good theory. Good, uh, <laughs> good uh, calling us down from the ledge there on the suicide prevention as well. All right, well, <laughs> Dale Schaefer from Marseille, France, wrote, this week's episode, Double Date, was great, and I found myself laughing more than normal. This week's podcast was a little too critical of it, though, especially at the beginning. 
You criticized Dwight's plan, but it was funny. Just thought I would let you know. Don't get too caught up in criticizing the plausibility of every scenario. Well, I'm living in Europe, and it stinks that I can't watch Hulu from here or see any, any of the deleted scenes. Any suggestions? Well, I have a suggestion, and its name is BitTorrent. <laughs> well, as far as deleted scenes go, that doesn't usually ever show up on there. But um, we did post quite a while ago some instructions on how to get past the uh, IP filtering. I'll, I'll see if maybe you can dig it up. But um, check, look into that, because that's why you're being blocked. You, your IP in France is a no-no. So you might be able to mask that and, uh, and still get to watch your deleted scenes. But let me go back to that thing about being too critical about the Dwight and Andy plotline. I swear, Kevin uh, and Dell, I love you for supporting the show. But I said like three times in that podcast that I know it's, I know that it's hilarious, and I'm giving it a pass. It is hilarious. That doesn't mean it's not ridiculous, but it's it, it was funny, and and that was enough to uh, to make it work for me. All right, Tina had this to say. You, talking about Dwight's plans, I just wish it would build to a climax. Me, with my earbuds in, shouting in the middle of the gym, that's what she said. That's what she said. Zing. (laughs) Good job there, Tina. All right, this is a note from Pam, not Beasley. Unfortunately, my cousin found it too hard to deal with life and ended his on his 18th birthday by hanging himself. I took it very hard since we shared a birthday, and no one seemed to see it coming. However, I didn't connect it with the Halloween episode until the suicide prevention group sent out their statement. I should thank them for opening the wound for me. If every time I saw a mention of a suicide in any type of media brought up the death of my cousin, I might not be able to function throughout the day. I wonder if it was not the suicide prevention groups that benefited from this episode the most. I just finished listening to last week's podcast, and I am one of those nice people who does not have Netflix. I was getting increasingly unhappy with my Blockbuster through mail service and was just thinking about canceling when I heard that part of the podcast. So I just canceled and ordered Netflix at netflix.com slash TWSS. Thanks. All right. Well, well that's an interesting uh, you know, point of view about the whole suicide situation. And I agree. I think sometimes these groups you know, bring up things. Uh, and, and draw light to these issues in ways that you know either you're not thinking about or maybe if you hadn't even seen the office now you've heard about the protest and now it's opening an old wound. And uh, again, our our condolences there to you, Pam, for your cousin's passing. All right, a little bit of feedback on this week's episode, Murder, Brian G. said, while I thought the overall plot was fairly weak and mostly a brush-up story, two big things happened for me. One, I genuinely started to care about characters' feelings once again. Poor Andy, poor Aaron. And two, Pam came back during that final scene in a laugh-out-loud tribute to the woman we all fell in love with for several earlier seasons. Story may have been weak, but I laughed, I almost cried, and I finally cared again. That's enough for me to say I enjoyed it a lot. Well, Erskine John T. tweeted to our Twitter account, I haven't laughed that hard at The Office in three years. So I guess he really enjoyed the episode. Yeah, and I will definitely have to agree to disagree with you on that one. I did find a few good laugh lines, like we said, the Kevin stuff, uh, the dumbass line. But overall, for me, not a huge laugher, still a solid episode. All right, our friend uh, Ian Levenstein, who had hosted the show previously, wrote in, I'm getting a sinking feeling that the season finale might wind up titled The Reorganization. As in, Dunder Mifflin reorgs the company, closing a few more branches, including Holly's, and fires a few members of the Scranton office as well. Creed, Pam? This would present a great reason for Holly to move back to Scranton, especially if her new boyfriend dumps her 
when the branch goes kaboom. Well, I wouldn't mind seeing some reorganization, maybe dropping a few of the characters, but I don't think Jenna Fisher is going anywhere, so maybe it's going to have to be Marius or somebody like that. Well, I don't know. I think that the cast, they've added to the cast at this point. I, I don't think that we want to reduce the cast. Um, you know, it's worth so far slowly adding in a few new faces every season. So I don't really think I want to lose that, although I do agree it would be kind of interesting to see some other shakeups, perhaps. But uh, we'll have to just keep watching. All right, well, Muck Mallard wrote, It seems that this episode was this season's Cafe Disco. Fun in the office with no real depth, except for the introduction of Gender Mifflin's ongoing financial troubles. Yep, we talked about that. Good point, Muck Exactly, and uh, Selfie tweeted, Murder ends a run of great apps. Some good bits, Creed, Ryan's outfit, but overall a dud. Why were Pam's props clear gloves? I think they were lace were, gloves, actually. Yeah, yeah a little lace you must not be from the South, Selfie. <laughs> I mean, all the people, all the women in the South wear those gloves exactly. on the Exactly. Any time, self-respecting right? debutante. <laughs> <laughs> well, Molly wrote, My one complaint, Jim has not mentioned the baby since Niagara. Even when he, he was in the office with Pam, he made no mention. Ugh, I feel like if they're going to do this pregnancy storyline, please stick to it and don't do it half-heartedly. Well, this is. I think that we got enough of the Pam and Jim couple concerned about the future thing without specifically mentioning the baby in that he, scene in the office. So I don't know. Well, I think that I, I think I don't. We don't need to hit over the head, but I think that would have been a point. They could have just thrown that out there. You know, it would have been a two-second line. You know, what with are we going to do with the baby coming? You know, and the bills and everything. How are we going to do this? I don't know. I, I, I kind of see where he's coming from on that. All right, last one. Anthony F. wrote, I'm looking forward to seeing where they take the Aaron and Andy thing because they are both so strange. Agreed. The bankruptcy storyline feels a lot like downsizing from season one and two, but overall, this is the most fun I had watching an episode since Niagara. Too bad it feels like the episode was a commercial for The Office Clue. Well, there you go, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was more of a clue for that actual game game. I, but, uh, yeah, they're they're really definitely pimping the hell out of this Office Clue game right now on the NBC page uh, and apparently on talk shows. So, yep. uh, go buy yours now through our Amazon link. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to about do it for us this week. Join us in maybe two weeks or so on this one for episode 84, Shareholder Meeting. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and help spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Remember, on Thursday this week to join us in the that's what she said. Chat room before, during, and after the airings. Um, I'm on the East Coast time slot. Kevin's on the Pacific time slot. Um, usually get about 20-some people in the chat room. So, uh, you know, the more the merrier. Come on in and see what everybody is thinking and uh, see how negative Thursday Matt is this week. Why wait for the podcast? You can see right then. All right. Uh, music for the episode is provided by Music Alley from Mevio. Check it out at musicalley.com. And remember to head on over to nbc.com slash the office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. And I do declare for Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here.
you know, I just realized that, well, I didn't just realize it, but, uh, you know, I always used to think I had a better southern accent than this. 